1: Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. And today we'll be taking a step outside of the Big Ten footprint and heading to the Big 12 and Pac-12 to do our preseason previews. But first, we have a message from our friends at SeatGeek. I'd like to take a second to introduce our newest friend from SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert or show, and rates them on a scale of zero to ten to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot marks great deals, a yellow dot good deals, and a red dot not so good deals. Use promo code ACAA. At checkout to receive twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's like getting two free beers at the stadium on them. What are you waiting for? The promo code ACAA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. And with that, we bring in TJ Inman. TJ, welcome back to the show. We're done with Big Ten Media Days. We're heading into our conference previews. How are you? Very excited. It's uh, gorgeous outside here in Indiana uh, on a Monday evening, and
0: I am definitely ready to begin uh, discussing in earnest the 2019 season. Uh, Really, really excited for today's show and and our uh, conference preview series that we'll have uh, each week coming up until uh, until we get into
1: IU-specific stuff. Definitely. We're going to start with the Big 12. Uh, we're going to go through yep. new coaches, coaching changes in the Big 12, which are a lot in the Big 12, go over our championship games picks, and under-the-radar team, and then the best game that fans uh, who aren't really fans of Big 12 schools uh, should tune in and watch for national implications. Uh, so let's start with the coaching changes in the Big 12. Uh, of course, you got mm-hmm. Kansas change coaches. David Beatty is out. Les Miles is in. Uh, we'll see what the Mad Hatter can do uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. He's got a tall task in front of him. Um, but, you know, expectations can't be that high after I think they've won oh. seven games in the last five years uh, or something like that. So, uh, David Beatty out. Les Miles in. Also, in Kansas. Bill Snyder has retired. Chris Kleinman is in. That's an interesting hire, Chris Kleinman, from North Dakota State. Uh, It brings 73 wins and single-digit losses uh, to Manhattan, and uh, we'll see how how that goes. We've seen Kansas State without Bill Snyder before, and and it's been a total disaster. So we'll see. Texas Tech also is changing uh, coaches. Cliff Kingsbury is out. He's in the NFL with Arizona. And is Matt Wells uh, from Utah State. And then another surprising one was Dana Holgerson leaving West Virginia to take the job at Houston. Uh, But West Virginia brings in Neil Brown, who was formerly at Troy. Uh, Any of those coaching changes really stand out to you, TJ? Uh, I think they're all – interesting uh of the four
0: um texas tech bringing in matt wells was probably the most conventional move um wells had pretty good success at utah state but i don't think was anything you would consider kind of a top tier candidate uh for any of the elite jobs that opened up Uh, but texas tech i think was a, a logical landing spot for him and i think it was a logical move for texas tech um, I don't know how high the ceiling is for that one, but um, just I would describe that one as solid and sensible. Um, West Virginia bringing in Neil Brown I think is very interesting. Dana Holgerson, um, while I think he did a good job at West Virginia, uh, it does kind of feel like he sort of beat the mob out of town, if you will. Um, I, I would not have been surprised if another, you know, maybe two years from now, uh, if West Virginia continued on the same track that they were on, if Dana Holderson didn't find himself on some kind of hot seat lists, uh, as the Mountaineer faithful kind of lost faith uh, that he could get them above what they were. You know, he'd raised it to a certain level, and it seems as if they plateaued. Uh, and when you plateau, typically you don't last all that much longer. Um, Kansas, look. I don't think Les Miles is going to win big there. However, uh, I completely understand why Kansas made the move to hire Les Miles. Uh, His staff hires, to me, were underwhelming, and I I don't really see that being a situation where uh, he's going to be able to find success. But, um, you know, we'll see. I I think that the one for me, Chris uh, Chris Kleiman, um, reminds me a lot of Lance Leopold going to Buffalo, a guy that moves up from a lower level. And I think it might take him a couple of years to find success and find a winning formula in Manhattan. But it would not surprise me at all to see to have, uh, have him um, winning, you know, eight games a year there at Kansas State, which is not an easy thing to do. I do think, you know, you mentioned uh, the previous regime before Bill Snyder, Ron Prince. I I do think that Kleiman is much more qualified for that position than Prince was when he took over, and I think it will go better than that. Um, I don't see any of those hires changing the power structure in the Big 12 anytime soon, though.
1: I I agree uh, definitely with Kansas Kansas State. West Virginia had their shot last year. I think Neil Brown's a great fit there as well. Uh, They kind of blew their shot. Uh, They had a senior quarterback who is uh, and will, will Greer, Greer uh who is awesome. So yeah, you're right. He beat the posse out of town. Um but let let's go uh what what storylines stick out to you in the Big Twelve this year? Uh besides less Miles coming in. Uh obviously Oklahoma and sure. Texas uh you know after last year's Sugar Bowl Texas is Texas is back. Uh, but they've they've also declared themselves back and then gone and lost season openers to Maryland. Uh, so yep you know there there's clearly a top I would say a top four with Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. Um, but the top those top two are in their own category, but I, I think any of those four uh, have a shot at it um, and, and I'll get to my under the radar team. Uh, Here later. What are your championship uh, predictions?
0: Well, I, I'll mention a couple of the storylines that jump out to me. I mean, Oklahoma um, going for a third straight Heisman Trophy winner, I don't see that happening. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is on that level, uh, despite his success with Alabama. I don't think he's going to win uh, the third straight Heisman Trophy for Oklahoma, but, you know, it's impossible to sit here and predict that he won't have a prolific season under, uh, under that offensive coaching staff that they have. And then can Alex Grinch, their new defensive coordinator uh, that Lincoln Riley went out and got, can, can Alex Grinch turn that defense from,
1: um,
0: I would say, at best average? Can he turn them into a good unit? If he can, there's no reason for Oklahoma to not be considered – a national title threat, once again, uh, you know, I, I I have my doubts about whether or not that can happen in year one, uh, and it would not surprise me at all to see the highly touted quarterback, Spencer Rattler, uh, kind of take the reins, if you will, uh, at some point in the season because Jalen Hurts struggles to throw the deep ball, and you have to be able to do that in Lincoln Riley's offense. His deep ball accuracy is definitely not a strength for him. And they've got the receivers to where that's what they're going to want to do on offense. So I, I don't I'm, – I'm kind of interested to see how Lincoln Riley adopts his offense or adapts his offense, I should say, to the talents of Jalen Hurts and whether or not Jalen Hurts can adapt his game to what is expected of him under Lincoln Riley if he cannot – then I do think that there's a chance for someone to to step up and knock off the Sooners. Um, but the the game that jumps out to me the most, as I look at this, right, I'm sorry, we're doing conference championship predictions first. I'm going to go Oklahoma over Iowa state. I do think that uh, the Sooners have enough firepower to get it done. Iowa state. I love Matt Campbell. I really think that they've got, uh, um, the best defense in this conference. Um, Really, really like both sides of their line of scrimmage. I think their offensive line is, is really good. Their defensive line is stout. Uh, they've got a lot of depth on the defensive side of the ball as well. The only thing the Cyclones really need is for a couple of playmakers to emerge and step up, and I do have faith in Matt Campbell to find those guys. Brock Purdy is a really good quarterback. There's quite a few good quarterbacks in the Big 12. Purdy's one of them. So I'm going to take the, uh the Cyclones to get – that second spot and find themselves in the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma. However, I think the Sooners beat them in the regular season and in the Big 12 title game to come out as champions.
1: Uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that, those are two good storylines, and our championship picks differ. Um, my storyline is going to be Texas. We'll know in week two if Texas is back or not when they host LSU. It's What a game. There's so much hype around. It's going to be a great game. It's on campus. I I, I love that. I've been on Twitter um, saying that, but it's it's one of these games where if Texas wins that, that can vault them into the playoff discussion, uh, vault them to the top of the Big 12, give them a lot of confidence uh, going forward. Uh, so Texas is my big t- talking point. Are they back? Are they not back? Is it going to be a, a quarter by quarter thing, a drive by drive thing? Um, it's it's something to keep an eye on, and it's enter- at the very least it's entertaining. Um, but my championship picks, uh, I'm going Oklahoma Texas. It's going to be a rematch of the red, red, red again of the Red River rivalry. They meet early in the season. They're going to meet up late in the season. I just don't think Iowa State has the offensive firepower to keep up with, with teams of the with Big 12 consistently. Uh, they lose David Montgomery. They do bring back Brock Purdy, but you, you got to be able to score points as well um, as play a little bit of defense, which they can. They're a very good defense, but they need to – they need to to score points and outscore people as well. And I don't think that they could do that. They're, they're probably going to trip up at Oklahoma. Uh, they host Texas late in the year, but there's also, you know, they have an early season matchup with Iowa where you'll get to see what this team is about. And then, uh, you know, going to TCU is tough. Going to Oklahoma State – sorry, going to Tech. They have to go to West Virginia, go to Texas Tech play at Oklahoma and the year at Kansas state Um, and Baylor, they traveled to Baylor Baylor's, you know, improved. So I I, I think Iowa state gets tripped up more than once in the big 12. And uh, they just don't get over that hump. They're a good team. Their defense is going to carry them, uh, but they need, if they can find some life on offense, some explosive plays on offense, they, I think they, you know, maybe maybe he'll be right, TJ, and and they'll find themselves in the, in a Big 12 championship game. Uh, moving on to the Pac 12, there's only w- uh, one coaching change in the Pac 12. Is Mike McIntyre is out at Colorado. Mel Tucker is in. The Pac 12 it, it's going to be interesting, and, and it's always interesting with Pac 12 after dark. Um, they seem to, this is a conference, they, they seem to shoot themselves in the foot all the time. And they, they've they missed the playoff a couple years in a row now. Uh, Washington's only made it once. Uh, they got hammered by Alabama and Atlanta. Just things aren't set up well for, for the old Pac-12 12 here to be successful on a national level uh, in terms of the playoff games, unless they're playing in, in the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, they have to travel East and play like a de facto home game against one of these Eastern teams. Their games are always late at night. They play Friday night conference games, uh, which I enjoy. I, anytime you can put on a, a good football game uh, when nothing else is on, I, I'm fine with that. But as far as getting eyeballs, national eyeballs and voters and all those things, it's, it's just tough. I, I think there's going to be some Changing of the guard a little bit Uh, You know USC has Fallen off that's you know A storyline my storyline To watch is what's going to happen to USC They kind of held serve with Clay Helton Were they waiting to fire him this Year so that they have a shot at Urban Meyer Uh, Is it you know What clearly He's what he's done at, at USC is not good enough for the USC Brand but somehow he still has a job And is it they're just hanging on to him until something better comes along, and there, there really wasn't anything that much better on the market without taking a huge risk uh, for USC. So do they – if they struggle, do they make a change and, and go hard after after Urban Meyer, who, who's now ret- retired twice, uh, and, and will, I, I guarantee he'll coach again. So yep. USC is a team to, to, to keep an eye on. What's your uh, storyline to watch in the Big 12? Or, sorry, Tech 12.
0: I think USC is, yeah, I think USC is certainly the uh, the one to look at. I, I mean, it's, I, I would find it shocking if Clay Hilton has this job, um, let's say January 1st. I, I would be absolutely stunned. Um, I just don't think that there's enough there that's going to keep people happy. I mean, Realistically, what's it going to take for him to keep his job even one more season? Uh, maybe ten wins. I mean, and if you look at that schedule, I don't see ten wins there. I really don't. So, um, no, they're, that, they're I, projected I the by Ant- six. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that that might be a little bit harsh, but anything above seven, maybe getting to eight wins. Um, would be a real positive. However, you're at USC, and regardless of what might be a realistic positive, that's, that's not going to be good enough. Um, beyond that, I think uh, two teams that, for me, um, had first-year coaches last year that did not have good seasons at all, however, have some pieces in place that would suggest One of them might be poised for a bounce back and possibly more than that. uh, Talking about UCLA with Chip Kelly and Arizona uh, with Kevin Sumlin. I think that one of those two will be able to surprise some this year. Um, The other one for me that's a storyline, and they are my pick as a conference champion, is going to be the Utah Utes. I think that Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in the country, And I think Utah has all the pieces in place for a tremendous season, Uh, and in my opinion, this is going to be their first trip uh, to be seen out of the Pac-12 to the Rose Bowl. Um, I'm a huge, huge proponent of what Utah is bringing to the table this year. So that's my storyline to watch: is can Utah get to the top of the Pac-12 for the first time?
1: Yeah, and if there was a way to put your division champion as a team under the radar. I think Utah would also fit, um, you know, fit under that. Let's go championship picks. TJ, you already gave Utah. Who is representing the Pac-12 North? Sure. Yep, I'm going to go
0: run back the uh, Pac-12 title from last year, which if Utah's quarterback had been healthy in that game, uh, I think the Utah would have beaten Washington last year. I think they get another crack at it this season, and I'm going to take the Utes this year to, to knock off the Huskies uh, in the Big, in the Pac-12 title game. Um, last year's game was a really, really ugly, ugly affair um, that should have, to the playoff committee, in my opinion, you know, it, it should have sent off some alarm bells. Um, it did not, and Washington got in the playoff, which is fine. I mean, they earned it. Um, and, of course, got uh, got baptized by the Alabama Fire. Um, I do think that Utah, if they can stay healthy and have a healthy offense, I think that we will see their elite defense matched up with what I think is going to be a better offense this season. And we'll see Utah representing the Pac-12. Uh, I don't think that they make the playoff, but I do think that they uh, get to the Rose Bowl.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have Utah as well representing the South. It's just everything's coming together for them. The roster's probably the best they've had in a while. Uh, and and yeah. then the Pac-12 South is just – there's a lot of mediocre uh, mediocrity. Uh, UCLA is down. USC is down. You don't really know what you have in Arizona State, Arizona, and then Colorado is, is coming in with the new coach. And so you'd think that they would take a step back from where they were a year ago. So their, their schedule lines up, you know, outside of of a trip to USC and and Washington, the schedule is very manageable. You get Washington state at home, you get Arizona state at home. uh, You get Colorado at home. You do have to go to BYU to start the year as part of the Holy war. But you know, everything, as long as they stay healthy and and Tyler Huntley is healthy then they should should be able to um uh, win that division pretty handily in the north. I'm gonna go a little different. I like Oregon over Washington, which is a little bit of an upset, yeah Oregon does travel to That's Washington fair. on October nineteenth uh, but I'm gonna go with the veteran quarterback, Justin Herbert. And and take the Oregon Ducks. Uh, you know Mario Cristobal has that team had that team playing well. Uh, they showed some defensive guts against Michigan State, although Michigan State's offense was uh, awful at the end of last year. Um, but oh, yeah. they held them to six points in, in the Red Box Bowl. Ended the year on a, on a high note with nine wins. Their schedule. You'll, you'll get a very good look at Oregon early in the year when they play Auburn uh, up in Arlington to start the year. They do have to go to Stanford. They do have to go to Washington. They do have to go to USC and Arizona State at the end of the year. Going to the desert is always tough. It's dry. It's hot. Uh, and, and teams always seem to wilt, especially um, from the Pacific Northwest. So, But I like Justin Herbert. They bring back a couple wide, three wide receivers as well. Their entire offensive line is back, uh, and as well as C.J. Verde, who was a thousand-yard rusher last year. Travis Dye, nearly a thousand yards, seven thirty-nine in a backup role. Um, this offense is going to be really, really good um, this year, and I, and I think it's time that. that Things change a little bit. Washington's breaking in a new quarterback and and this is the year Oregon gets them and, and returns Oregon to the top of the Pac twelve north. And then I, I to pick a winner, it's gonna it's gonna be a good game. You're gonna get those red Utah uniforms and, and the green Oregon uniforms should be a great uh scene on T V. But uh you know what? I'm gonna wimp out and pass. But I'll probably take Utah in that game. Uh, their defense is so athletic. Their defensive line is so good. They have the tools to shut yeah. down Oregon um, in, in that Pac 12 championship game. So I'll take Utah as well, go in the Rose Bowl. I do think that they have an outside shot at the playoff as well. They just they need to, their schedule is going to bite them um, in terms of schedule strength in the Pac 12. You, you don't really yeah, play. Yeah,
0: I think they have
1: to go that. You'd have to go 13-0. and 0. You have to win your non-conference games pretty convincingly uh, since, you know, it's it's BYU at BYU in the northern Illinois, Idaho State, and that's it. They do play non-conference games. Um, yep. USC doesn't carry the, the yeah. pizzazz anymore. Uh and that that's about it outside of Washington. If you beat Washington, if they end up playing Washington again in the Pac-12 championship game and you beat them twice convincingly, uh, maybe, maybe of a shot at 12-1. and one, uh, But that one loss yeah. is going to be a bad loss. Uh, so it, it's, I, it's a I long shot for what, the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, I think that what they'd be rooting for would be Oregon to beat Auburn in that first weekend, that's a huge game for the Pac-12. They really need that one. Uh, They need Oregon to take down Auburn. uh, And then after that, I feel like Utah would need to see Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. So maybe, you know, Washington has a really good year, but comes up just short. Oregon beats them out for that Pac-12 North title so that Utah would get the bump of playing Oregon who would have a win over Auburn and then if they could beat Oregon at that point, um, you know, I think that you could really start to make a case uh, for Utah at that point. But um, with that schedule, you're right. They are going to, uh, they're going to need some help. They're going to have to go unbeaten and then uh, they'll need a little bit of help from, you know, the, the ACC, Big 10, SEC, and Big 12 because I, I think out of the five conferences, um it seems like you could really make a case that the Pac twelve um, if it were Utah representing them as the potential college football playoff team, uh they would need the most help to make a case. Now lots of variables there and things could change, but just looking at a preseason, uh, I think Utah's the best team that they have to offer and I think the Utah's schedule sets up the best so I'm putting them ahead of the pack, but um, that would not bode well for their college football playoff chances necessarily. Um, Now, I don't think Utah would be all that upset if this season resulted uh, in their schedule, meaning that they missed the college football playoff, but get to go to the Rose Bowl. I don't think their fans would be too
1: upset about that at all. Yeah, it's more of the Pac-12 as a whole needing, you know, needing yeah. some momentum going into college football playoff and, and Oregon I think has a better chance at that due to their schedule. Uh but Utah probably has the the better team on paper. It's what is the Pac-12 if they're shut out of the playoff again? What is the Pac-12? Where do they stand in terms of what do they have to change? Yeah in order to be in the con- legitimately in the conversation, which they, they haven't been um, for the college football playoff yeah. in the future.
0: They would have to really ask some hard questions. Um, I do wonder, you know, if you look at recruiting rankings, they, they don't – it's not poor recruiting at all, but um, they are not recruiting as a whole on the level – of the elite teams in the country. Like, if you're looking at the top of the conference in the Pac-12, you know, Utah, Oregon, Washington, those teams are not recruiting as well as the elite teams in the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten. Their recruiting rankings would would bear that out. Uh, And when those teams are on the field together, that shows up. Um, Washington and Oregon and and, – Utah, if you will, those, those are very, very good programs. However, when you are nitpicking at them and, and talking about making the college football playoff as one of the top four teams in the country, um, we have seen them on the field with those teams in key marquee, you know, uh, non-conference games, like Oregon will have a shot at against Auburn. They have to start winning some of those games because so far they've been unable to do so uh, and I think that that really sticks in the in the minds of the college football playoff committee, so they're gonna have to start winning at least a couple of those games to change that image and that perception of things uh, failure to do so and and more losses in those games, I think is just going to deepen that
1: perception and make it all the harder for them to change it yeah it's you gotta it's Kind of like what the Big Ten did. You gotta win some of these non-conference games. You gotta yeah. win more than yeah. you know a couple bowls over a two-year period, and, and you get shut out. You gotta start winning big games, and, and that Oregon, yep, uh, Auburn matchup is is huge. It was huge last year with Washington and Auburn, and Auburn beat them, uh, and that kind of set the that set the tone for for the Pac-12 last year. Uh, on a national yeah, perspective. Yeah. And,
0: and then Auburn turned out was not great, you know, and that matters too. Like Auburn goes on to be just okay. Uh they were not they were not an elite team uh that now they, they sure looked like one against Purdue uh in their bowl game, but you know, Auburn did not have an amazing year. They were just good. They weren't great. And so the fact that Washington, who turns out to be your conference's best team, loses to Auburn, now, would that have been different if they had played in January? Yeah, I think that that's very possible. But it it doesn't matter, because the college football committee looks at that and sees, oh, okay, Auburn, who goes on to have an okay year in the SEC, beat you. You know, Washington, it, it beat you. And that matters in the, in the eyes of the committee, I think, and in the eyes of the, the college football world. Um, you, you have to make those types of comparisons, especially when we have an on-field result, albeit one that's early in the season. That's all we have in college football is those, those short 12, 13-game you know, seasons to judge things on. So uh, how you play in those non-conference games as a conference, it really does end up mattering. I mean, it doesn't for, like, in Indiana, uh, I mean, hell, what Ohio State or Michigan does in the non-conference is not going to have an impact on how IU season goes or is viewed. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, but for the teams that are going to be potentially vying for those college football playoff spots, uh, what a team like Indiana or what a team like Michigan State or, you know, somebody else on your schedule, what they do does end up mattering. And for Washington, Washington. Yep or Utah or Oregon, uh, that that ends up coming into play. So they need for that conference and their conference mates uh, to stand out and win the games that they need to win in the non-conference schedule. Yeah, and if
1: you look at these early season Pac-12 non-conference games, you have Arizona (laughs) gets Texas Tech at home. They also have to travel Mm -hmm. to Hawaii in the first three weeks. Arizona State has to go to Michigan State. That's a, that's a big yep. game. California plays at Old Miss. That's an important game. Um, Colorado gets Colorado State and Nebraska to open the season. Uh, Oregon, we talked about, has Auburn. Uh, o- Oregon State has Oklahoma State at home to open the season. That's a game that they need to, you know, be competitive in. Stanford has a chance. They, they open the season at home against Northwestern. Uh, big Ten West defending champions. They end the year with Notre Dame at home, who could be in the uh, potential for a, a playoff talk there. UCLA going and to, to Cincinnati. Yes, and they do have Central Florida uh, as well. So th- yeah. those are three three big – Stanford probably carries the most water in terms of of, of um, conference pride going to those those games – they could easily go 0-3 um, in those games. Yeah. Probably easier to go 0-3 than 3-0. Uh, yep. Then moving I, to I UCLA
0: this year. So.
1: Yeah. And then UCLA opens at Cincinnati. Cincinnati was very, very good last yep. year. They have high expectations this year. That's good. That's a Thursday night opener as well. That's going to be one of these national games that everybody has their eyes on. When you lose that, it's uh, how are you a Power 5 team that goes down to an a- AAC team uh, and loses? USC, of course, um, has Notre Dame in the middle, goes to Notre Dame in the middle of the year. They do host Fresno State to start the year. They do travel to BYU as well, which is a tough place to play. But if Fresno State plays like they did last year, now there's a lot of changes that went on at, at Fresno State. As well as we know, with Calen DeBoer coming to IU, um, it, it, that's that's a big important game as well. We went through Utah, Washington has uh, Eastern Washington, Hawaii, and at BYU, and then Washington State, New Mexico State, Northern Cal, Northern Colorado, and then they go to Houston. They play in NRG Stadium, uh, NFL Stadium. That's a game that all eyes will be on as well. You got to you got to start winning some of these games. You can't lose to to group of five teams um and, and all three of these group of five teams uh from the AAC uh can can come and kick your butt at any time as well uh in UCF, um Houston and uh and Cincinnati. All on the road and and it, it's just that's tough scheduling. Um so We'll see what the Pac-12 does. TJ, who is your under-the-radar team for the Pac-12? Well,
0: uh, it's, it's tough to pick one, but um, I'm so high on Utah that I don't consider them under the radar for myself. Um, I went with Arizona, and I I don't think they're going to be great. However, um, I'm going to look very closely at them, and I don't feel like anybody is talking about them. Um I feel that there's room in the South for them to jump up to that second slot uh, in the South because the teams are so jumbled for Utah, in my opinion. And I I think they have two really, really good players in their backfield uh, that if they can figure out how to utilize them correctly, uh, could make for a really explosive offense. Khalil Tate, the quarterback, and J.J. Taylor, the running back, um, you know, not a lot of depth to this team. Um, and I, I don't think that Kevin someone's that great uh, as a coach, but um, I, I'm really interested to see because there's, in my opinion, elite, two elite players in Kavil Tate and J.J. Taylor that, if they can be utilized, I think Arizona has enough with those two uh, and some other you know, decent players to make a, uh, a run at that second slot uh, in the Pac-12 South. I think that Arizona State is probably who I would choose second in the South right now, uh, but it would not shock me to see Arizona kind of put things together and have a really good senior season under Khalil Tate. Uh, certainly can't be any worse than what it was last year. Another team for me to keep an eye on uh, is going to be uh, also in the South, mainly because I think there's just more upward mobility in that division, Uh, but UCLA, you know, they, they really did start to play better at the end of last season. And I think that they found a quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, I think that they return enough offensively. Plus it's year two under chip Kelly. I think you could see uh, quite an improvement in the Bruins. However, you mentioned that game, that, that season opener at Cincinnati followed up by, San Diego State, followed up by Oklahoma, uh, that's another one where you very easily could find yourself 0-3. Uh, they lost to Cincinnati last year, so it would not be at all shocking to see them go to Cincinnati and lose. So if you're 0-3, do the player start to really question, um, you know, what exactly are we doing here and kind of pack it in and uh, begin looking at alternate places to play college ball? Um, you could see that scenario play out, or – they could get an early win or two that really jump-starts things for them uh, and makes their, their game against Oklahoma maybe a tricky one for the Sooners. So uh, I think those two are ones that I'm going to really be keeping an eye on.
1: Yeah, I, I had Arizona. I thought I was being clever with that pick, but clearly I wasn't. Um, <laughs> Arizona, it's a Pac-12 South. It's wide open outside of Utah yeah. being, being the favorite. Um, Khalil Tate is I think he's finally healthy You had a disaster of the year To start out with Kevin Sumlin last year This staff has their feet Underneath them And I think I I just He's too talented to to go Five and seven again And they had blown a big lead against Arizona State to, To miss out on a bowl game As well at the end of the year So Arizona is my under the radar team to pick. I don't think you could put UCLA and Chip Kelly under the radar, just like you can't put USC uh, in Los Angeles under the radar. Those teams are two, the spotlight is on them at all times. Uh, uh, you know, for football with, with Chip Kelly, Kelly there, and then with the Urban Meyer stuff that is inevitably going to come around USC once Clay Helton loses a game. Uh, or two games or three games or seven games like he did last year. Um so it, it's you know Arizona State could fall into that too with with Herm Edwards but you had a guy who, who burst onto the scene as a sophomore entered his junior year as everybody's favorite as the Heisman for the Heisman trophy stunk uh and, and now it's kind of a redemption tour. What can you show you know what yeah. can you show the nation that you have and I I think that you know Arizona it's a place where you can fly under the radar and 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 have it be okay nobody's talking and they're probably just fine with that and it takes a little bit of the pressure off of off of Kevin Sumlin and and off of Khalil Tate because expectations were so high last year And, and maybe that's what got to them it was Oh, uh, you know, Kevin Sumlin, such a great coach. He's a Texas a m He's going to do great things with Khalil Tate like he did with Johnny Mandel. And, and then they just completely fell flat on their face. And now nobody's talking about them, which allows them to, to to kind of go into stealth mode, focus on them, turn, turn off the outside noise and, um, and, and be successful. So it, Khalil Tate was appointment television when he was playing a couple of years ago. My hope is, is that he's appointment television when he's playing this year as well. And, and that's only going to be good for the Pac-12 is that, you? oh, Khalil Tate's playing? Let's put him on, you know what, we're going to turn the Arizona game on. And then the Pac-12 gets a, gets a few more eyeballs. kind of like, oh, you know, Clemson's playing. We've got to watch Clemson. They're, they're really good. Jonathan Taylor's playing at Wisconsin got to watch Jonathan Taylor. You know, got to watch some of these, these big individuals play uh, for, for these teams in, in conferences on the East East Coast and in the South uh, where the Pac-12 loses out some viewers because they don't really have that star power unless you're a Pac-12 fan and, and know that and Khalil Tate can bring that star power uh, back to the Pac-12 with his playmaking. Final thoughts
0: on Pac-12, P.J.? Yeah, the tactful, I, I think that's, that's a good point. No, I think you make a good point. Uh, they do have some elite players in that conference, um, and I, I certainly think that there are, I think, three top-end teams in Washington, Oregon, and uh, Utah. Um, I think a stepped down after that, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of quality teams, uh, really good depth in the conference, and... Um, uh, I, I think it's a very fun league, uh, and I really enjoy watching uh, you know, late Pac-12 games or recording them and watching them uh, you know, Sunday mornings or, or even Sunday afternoons, catching up uh, on what happens you know, late at night for us here in the Midwest. Um, I think it's a really fun league. I think they play a good brand of football. Uh, they, just, they really need to get those non-conference wins to, uh, to kind of bolster what happens during the regular season.
1: Yeah, it's you know it's for these two conferences, and I lumped them together because they're similar. Um, that they always yeah. seem to be that fourth or fifth team in the um, in the college playoff discussion, and you know the Big Twelve. They they don't have, they have ten teams. It's the Big Two. It, you know it has been just Oklahoma and now Texas is coming back. And then the Pac-12, you had Washington for a while. You had Oregon for a while. Um, but there hasn't been any real depth to either conference, and I think they're starting to build that back up now. Texas and Oklahoma are good. Uh, you know, I, yep. I think TCU uh, – TCU is my under-the-radar team for the Big 12, by the way. Um, they always follow up a, a disappointing season uh, with with a good season. They come up to play Purdue. It's a game that that mm-hmm. Big Ten fans are going to watch. IU fans are probably going to watch just to spite Purdue. Um, but it's, you know, not, you got to build some conference depth. Just like the Big Ten West uh, has started to build some conference depth, you need Wisconsin to be better. Uh, but, you know, you have mm-hmm. Iowa and Purdue and, you know, Basically, the only stinker in that group right now is Illinois. All the rest are—you don't really want to play all the rest of those teams. Uh, if you're looking to play somebody from the Big Ten West, if you had to pick and choose, everybody would pick and choose Illinois right now. And and maybe Lovey gets that that thing rolling and, and moving in the right direction, and they become a, a difficult out, and that uh, makes that Big Ten the Big Ten a little bit uh, more difficult to play. But you look at the Big Ten East, and and you got a little bit of depth outside of Rutgers falling off a cliff last year. You know, Indiana gives gives teams a run. Maryland put a, a heck of a scare into Ohio State last year. They have some good athletes. Uh, we'll see what Mike Loxley could do. Uh, you know, Michigan. Then you have the Big Four: you have Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, who could go toe to toe with most people in the country. So, you know, conference depth, especially in these two. This is the reason why I put the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 together is that they're so similar in conference depth where there, is, there are one or two teams, maybe now three teams in the Pac-12 that have a legitimate shot to go knock off one of these giants in another conference. Um, and the hope is, is that you could build depth to where, you know, playing Colorado isn't in, is in a pushover or playing Arizona isn't a pushover or playing Oregon State isn't a pushover. And, and they need those those bottom teams you know, to, to be solid. And that, that will ultimately help their playoff cases that, you, you know, you don't go, Oh, well, you guys played Colorado, Oregon state, Arizona at home. You have to go to Arizona state. Oh, you lost, you lost to, you lost to, um, you know you lost to California, but you beat USC. You know, it's, they need to get rid of that stigma and, and, um, for them, for for both of these conferences to get in to consistently, stop being that argument for the fourth or fifth team in the playoffs. So that those are my that's my final thought on on the Pac-12 and the Big 12 is just building conference depth. You know, everybody wants to play Kansas, everybody wants to play Oregon State. Time for those teams to you know stop stop being at the bottom pick yourselves up, be, you know, it's time to get the mediocre and, and, and then move on from there. And it'll just help your conference a little bit more. Maybe you get a little bit more of a payday with college football playoff things and all that stuff and, and TV revenue and eyeballs. Uh, because right now, if, if California is playing Oregon state, nobody wants to watch that game. And if um, Kansas is playing anybody, I don't think anybody wants to watch that game. So, but these bottom feeders need to, to elevate themselves to make the conference better, you know, raise the floor. The ceiling's where it's going to be. You have elite teams in in Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, Oregon, to some standpoint, and Utah. You you have your elite teams. The floor needs to be raised up uh, <laughs> from absolute garbage like Kansas uh, to, you know, get getting to the point where, you know, you, you're – Worst team in 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 the you know the conference might be somebody like you know like an Indiana team who could go consistently go five and seven or win six games and, and it's just not a total a total loss. So that does it for today's podcast, TJ. Thank you for joining me. As always, we're going to be going now on a weekly basis. <laughs> Next week we are breaking down the ACC and the SEC. So we go from the people who need help to the big to to, to the kings of college football right now. Um, yeah. So ACC SEC next week, July 29th. We'll follow that up with a group of five preview, and then go into the Big Ten West, and then finish up with the Big Ten East before getting into our game preview on August 26th. The season is coming up. We're down to 40 days. Uh, we're going to be below 40 days tomorrow. So, TJ, thanks for joining us. I'm excited for the college football season, as are you, and have a restful uh, rest of the evening.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is a lot of fun, and uh, we certainly look forward to continue bringing that along with all of our IU season preview content on com.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, thank you indeed. Check us out at HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, if we've had audio problems, I sincerely apologize. I'm trying to get it figured out. I've bought new equipment. I've changed rooms. I've upgraded Wi-Fi, um, and none of it seems to work. Today I tried, instead of doing the direct connect on there, I have tried calling on my phone, so hopefully it's a little bit better, and we're working as hard as we can uh, to get this fixed for uh, our loyal listeners. So apologize if the audio, audio quality is not where you guys deserve it, uh, but hopefully you, you keep coming back and, and listening to the content. Uh, we appreciate the feedback, and we'll catch you next week for an SEC-ACC preview. If there's anything that you, the fans, would like us to talk about, please shoot us a DM or uh, tweet at us uh, or give us a a shout-out on email or, or on the site on the comments, and we'll try and touch on those topics as well. Enjoy the rest of the week. And finally, it's cooled down, and football will be here before you know it. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: Whoa, sweet man, cave! Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
1: Let's jump into Pepper's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles. And bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.